Welcome to this week's episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast, the podcast where we explore the culture of beer. Brought to you by Oedipus Brewing, and I'm your host, Danny Walker. You're tuned in to episode number 32, and it's the holiday seasons, ladies and gentlemen. This week, we take a trip to the Oedipus Friend Shop on the Arvaplein in Amsterdam to chat with some of the collaborators and see what's this year's hottest Sinterklaas and Christmas gift. For the first part of the show, there is an introduction and guide to the Friend Shop by Rosa and Scott, two managers of the Bad House. We then explore home brewing with Oedipus founders Rick and Alex, who are using the same kit they learnt on for the first time in years. We talk about the difference between drinking and tasting beer, and then also creativity within craft beer. Then we learn about the world of the Cutter Club as Sophie and Ava discuss the colour red, and also making people feel awkward at parties. For the second part, I talk with Nicholas from Leave Your Sword Kombucha about some of his pastries he's selling at the Bad House. He invited me down to his brewery on the day of baking to get a history lesson on artisanal, traditional French pastry. After that, we talk about uh, music with Ronald from Blip Agency, who are a music bookings and management agency that are distributing some of their artists' records and merchandise. Listen up for Ronald's 2020 album of the year. If you want more information about the Friend Shop and all previous episodes of the podcast, head over to our website, oedipus.com forward slash radio. But for now, here's this week's episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast. Okay, so I'm joined in the Bad House now with Scott and Rosa, two of my colleagues, two managers of the Bad House. Uh, The Bad House usually is a bar. However, it looks rather different today. Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on today? So uh, we've uh, actually transformed the bar uh, into a shop now. We call Mm. it the French shop, um, where we uh, basically have a showcase of all our cool people we work together with in the community. And uh, we sell loads of cool items amongst our beer, which we did before already. Uh, we've got some other stuff here as well, some records, uh, T-shirts, uh, nice prints, uh, more beer, scented candles, wine as well. Wow. Uh, Not just a brewery, we sell wine. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we wanted to make it into something fun and uh, uh, being on such a cool location in the middle of the East, uh, uh, just open our doors again and have people come in. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, let them enjoy the beautiful building, but also, yeah, get to know us, basically. Yeah. Where did the, Rosa, where did the idea come from? Was it because, uh, yeah, you wanted to open up your doors and, and invite people back in? Yeah, so the idea came from that during the first lockdown, we did a takeaway. Uh, just opened our doors, put a table in front and sell our uh, own beer. Yeah. And we, when the second lockdown started, we saw... Uh, we did that first, the the takeaway model, and then um, we saw that people weren't that into it anymore because they saw it in the first lockdown already. Yeah. Uh, so it was time to creatively adapt. Yeah, crea- it. exactly. And also what Scott said, like we really wanted to uh, show our face and show the beautiful building that we created. Yeah. And 
yeah, it was a natural step to just turn it into a shop. I was I was also inspired by uh, the Goudverzand, yep. who does it as well, but they do it mainly on food. So they turned it into a supermarket. Yeah. And we thought like, hey, we want to showcase our family, uh, the people that we love working with. So this should be natural step. Yeah, to do. cool. Now we stood like right in the middle uh, and there are, uh, yeah, there's lots of things to see. Scott, why don't you paint the picture for people that are listening? Like, what is on offer here? Highlight some of the people that are selling stuff. Well, uh, as, as I mentioned, there, there's a lot, actually. Uh, so, I think it's quite a broad selection, and that's also what we really like. So, of course, we have beer, not just our beers, also from Befriended Breeze from the Netherlands. Uh, but we have, for instance, the Cutter Club here. Uh, the Cutter Club are two girls. One of uh, one of them works with uh, us. A fellow seller uh, has just walked in, Mr. Hello, Barry, Barry Timmer. Yeah, Barry, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, this guy as well, Barry uh, Timmer. He's uh, selling prints. He also works for us. But also we have uh, Mediamatic, uh, which uh, you might or might not know. Uh, they're a really cool uh, restaurant uh, in in uh, in Amsterdam, and they're doing all really cool stuff with food and experimenting. But here we actually have some scents of them, some uh, some uh, smelly candles, yeah. perfumes, yeah. yeah. But also really cool sweatshirts. We've yeah. got prints from and books from uh, Sasha Stoya, mm. guy who we work with for our Kinder Kinder Yoga label designs. But uh, also we really like his uh, artwork. So he's selling prints and a children's book called uh, Donny, which is uh, uh, definitely uh, recommended mm. by me. By me as well. I, I bought it for my little one uh, for Santa Claus or Sinterklaas, mm. and he loved it. It's yeah. such a cool story as well to tell and to look at the older prints. It's nice. Yeah, loved yeah. it. Was sold out the first weekend, so now we restocked it again. Oh, nice. Good to hear. Now you did mention Sinterklaas. Obviously, the day of recording, it's the day before Sinterklaas, and also Christmas is around the corner. I would like to ask you both, maybe uh, Rosa first. Um, if you had to pick one gift in here to pick for a friend, what would it be and why? And you can't say the Donny book. I know you've just said that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Can I not choose two, please? <laughs> okay, no, okay, okay, okay. You choose two. All right. Uh, first of all, I would buy a Christmas tree. Yay! <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, we got the uh, we got the Christmas trees from uh, Kerstboom Amsterdam. Uh, we mainly have them uh, potted grown, or how do you say that? That they you can replant them after, so you don't have to throw them away after the holidays. Yeah. And I really love that idea, and they're beautiful trees. It stops the streets from looking like a Christmas tree graveyard. So, hey, yeah. hell yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think I have my eye on uh, the sweatshirt from Yin Yin. Nice. I think it's a really cool book, and uh, they are banned. From Blip Agency, the design is really nice. Yeah, I would uh, definitely uh, give that to somebody Nice for the holidays. Yeah, Scott, I know you're a big fan. You're a big uh, beer and wine fan. So anything yeah. you would pick out? Yeah, I would uh, definitely go for uh, uh, a natural wine from uh, from our friends at uh, Lab 111. Yeah. Lab 111. Uh, they recently bought a, uh, a winery in uh, Umbria in Italy. And uh, they made two wines there, uh, a red and a white, uh, both naturally, natural fermented, uh, no sulfites and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, very, very tasty. Mm -hmm. uh, the white wine is quite funky. The red wine is uh, an Allemansfriend for everyone, I guess. 
Mm. And uh, accompanied by that, they also do really, really cool prints. And they work together with artists. And uh, we have a print on sale here as well. It's from uh, Marilyn Sonnefeld. And they only do 111. Lap 111. It's Very a really, good. really cool print. And it's based on the, on the, on the film she picked. So uh, that's nice. really, really cool uh, item. And I can I also do two now because Rosa also did that. You're a generous man around this yeah. time of year. Yeah. Uh, and I would buy a T-shirt from uh, Elena Giolo. She's a co-worker of ours, and she makes really cool T-shirts with uh, with animal prints on there, uh, hand painted. And they only she only does one of each animal. And I think even uh, if you ask her nicely, uh, you can pick your favorite animal, and yeah, she she wow. draws it on for you. Now that is so special. That's uh, that's cool. Thanks for chatting to me. How about Rosie? You just uh, let me know what time the, the shop opens, what days, and how I can come buy some gifts. Of course, of course. Uh, yeah, so we're open from Thursday to Sunday on Thursday and Friday from uh, 1 to 6 and in the weekends from 12 to 6. All right. So please stop by and... Uh, yeah, join us. Join yeah. Shop. And Be remember to uh, exit through the gift shop. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Very good. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you, Danny. Thanks. I'm joined at the Bad House today by... Two of uh, Uripus's co-founders, Rick and also Alex. Say hello, guys. Bonjour. Goedemiddag. Hello, hello. All right, so yeah, you guys are here uh, doing some home brewing for the first time in how long? Wow, I can't remember, so it's a long time ago. Yeah? Yeah, it was uh, still at Westerdok, so that's, uh, we left that in 2014. That's, yeah. Do you still remember how to brew, Rick? Uh, a coffee, yes. <laughs> and you, Alex, do you remember? Um, I was, um, I got into it really quick, but I, I forgot everything. But Sanders has become uh, quite the experienced home brewer now, so he can <laughs> he can tell us the exact temperatures. He even brought all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. He did all the prep, so it's it's basically a day off for us. <laughs> <You'd> <laughs> this is not fun anymore. All the equipment is here from the main brewery. It's like goes really fast uh, we, we, we 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 turn around and everything is already done uh, it was <laughs> like never like autopilot this. Today, though, we can we, there's some more time for um, tasting all these great uh, things that uh, Sonder brought and Oedipus makes so we can taste a lot as well we have time for that now I yeah. didn't taste one beer from Oedipus yet uh, oh you were late so that's I was late yeah you were late <laughs> yeah I was that was maybe leads me to one of my questions is it possible for four people to brew at once or is it just a big uh, publicity stunt that we're doing today it's all gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you, you can do it. You can do it by yourself, but uh, it's more fun like this, isn't it? <laughs> but the moral support thing, I guess, is uh, uh, a big element. Yeah, it's just um, hanging out, I guess, hanging out with friends. But it is uh, a lot of work on your own. Yeah. Still, it's a lot of waiting. Although now there's a lot of time reduced because of all the technical stuff that Sander did. Yeah. And improvements, but uh, yeah, I think we were. With four, that gave us advantage back in the day, yeah, still. Yeah. Well, we were talking about it, and we actually were, we were cleaning bottles. I think we talked about this before, but we were cleaning bottles while we were brewing, so there was actually, it was work, and today doesn't feel like work at no. all. No? It feels work to me, man. It's a lot it feels of work. more social. It's good. And what, so tell us a little bit about the beer you're trying to make today, then. Yeah, I think it's an uh, anti-establishment beer. <laughs> oh, yeah? We're making a, a red ale. A red ale, yeah? Okay. So, yeah, talk us a little bit about the process. What have you, uh, what did you have to do for it? What stage are we at now, sorry? 
At the moment, we just did uh, all the sparging, so we collected everything, and it uh, started uh, for the boil to get the boil ready. Mm -hmm. And then uh, once uh, we boiled, I think for an hour, and then we uh, cool it and get it into the fermentation tank, which mm -hmm. looks very, f very, very neat. And uh, we never had such a thing back in the day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, red ale, very simple. I think. Uh, yeah, we wanted to do something. Uh, we we do, we were a bit on the chat, uh, like what should we do? And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, what what? Uh, there were a couple options. Yeah, I, I think we we were all getting into a little bit more. Um, I don't I don't know. But back in the day, we didn't want to brew anything that was too malt forward or too sweet. And now we were all like, yeah, let's let's make this red ale and let's make it sweet because we never <laughs> we actually never said that we want to make something sweet ever. I always wanted, I yeah. always wanted the red ale. I always asked for it and uh, I was very, mm -hmm. uh, I say, they worked against me. It was, yeah, 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 yeah. It was like yeah. uh, against the government, you know, <laughs> enemy of the state. And here very, we go, uh, six years later now, Rick, you get, finally. You get your beer. Rick, uh, Rick, got his <laughs> Rick got his red ale. Yeah, got no, his, uh, Rick got his sin. I see we've all been, uh, well, we shouldn't really advertise it, but you've, you've been drinking other beers as we've been going a little bit. Why Is that the you important that? part? Well, I'm, I'm not sure we're meant to be... That's why we're drinking out of mugs, right? We're meant to be hiding it a little bit, incognito. We're tasting. We're tasting. Yeah, it's, it's Is that a key part of uh, the, the the home brewing then, to be tasting other beers? Well, back in the day, we used to uh, try a lot of beers to see what where, where, where it would take us and what kind of flavor we want in a beer. So it's always important to drink a lot of different things while yeah. you're home brewing as, um, yeah. as part of the experiment and part of the learning process. I would advise anyone to try as much as they can. And what have you been trying today? Uh, yeah, yeah. So back in the day, we always drank brews that we made before that were almost ready or that were still in the process uh, of fermentation. So we wanted to just taste a bit how it was going. Mm -hmm. But now there's no. Yeah, we just actually tasted your homebrew. Oh yeah, it was nice yeah, yeah. Uh, on the homebrew kit. Uh, but I think we're drinking mainly Sanders uh, Geuze, uh, uh Kelder. His Geuze stock at home. He mm. has a lot of stuff that. Uh, yeah, he saves, saves for when he sees you guys, I presume. Yeah, I guess so. He bought so much. Uh, they had to uh, do the foundation of the house, get it stronger, you know? Uh, <laughs> so they put like old Belgian beer bottles in there yeah. to make the foundation stronger. <laughs> you guys are planted up there where all the rest of the beer is. Any other standout breweries that they're uh, selling beers by today? I, I didn't check. You didn't check? What was the question? Any other standout beers that you've seen today that you want to give a mention to? We've got some Valhalla uh, beers up there, some Kroma Haring. I think the beer world is at, a, at an all-time low of creativity and good beers, man. I think it's a really poor condition. Okay. Really bad stuff. Not, not, uh, not, not, special, <laughs> not here, but just in general. I think it's really... Uh, really uh, everyone is doing the same shit. Every, uh, Naipas and pastry stouts, and it's yeah. just uh, raid beer brewing. But uh, what is nice to see some uh, some local ones here. That's nice. There is some local guys. Yeah, yeah some. from Befriended Breweries, Kromaring from Utrecht. I haven't really looked at the particular beers. I saw the the lager from Valhalla, the uh, Apollo, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what beers would you like people to make then, Rick? If you're a bit sick of all these uh, nipers, what do you want to see? I think people should brew what they want to brew. But I think a lot of breweries now are not brewing what they really want to brew. They're brewing what uh, brings cash, what is rated well, well, and that brings cash, yeah. cash in. Uh, I think there's, there used to be a time that uh, everyone is doing all kinds of stuff. That radio yeah. was very uh, kind of normal thing to brew and all kind of other, yeah. uh, actually not very crazy beer types, but just traditional things that you hadn't brewed before. You were just curious how, yeah. how, that, how you had to make that. 
and now it's just Naipa and it's all the same hop bales. It really all tastes the same. It's all branded the same. And uh, I think uh, it's uh, really the most, yeah, kind of almost as we're uh, in front of the dark, the beer dark ages again. Yeah. As if it's really... Do you think a lot of brewers feel the pressure to kind of stay innovative or kind of find the balance in between selling beer and being uh, creative? Yeah, and, uh, definitely. And I think there's also a new generation of brewers that doesn't know any better. They yeah. just know this, and this is all they know. It is what they like, and it's of course, it's it's uh, it's, it's all good for them to make that. But at the same time, it's hey, there's so much more, and uh, also you're kind of making the consumer, uh, you're uneducating them. Mm. Like then we want to create diversity. Now it's just Naipa and pastry stouts, yeah, yeah, or maybe a fruited sour is all there is, and yeah. uh, it's kind of reversing the process. Like craft beers become and it normal. went really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think there's an upside to it where no, there isn't. It's all dark and gloom. Yeah, but is, yeah, exactly. You're, isn't it positive that well, people are drinking less uh, commercial in, I was beer? In a very small, very small uh, town in the Netherlands uh, a couple of days ago to buy a beer and like the, the 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 shelf space for cans and art and and good beers, fresh IPAs from all over, and the, the, even the breweries that I knew they were evolving, getting more beers out. It was really expensive still the beer, but it's the, there was so much choice, and I really thought if if this type of beers and this amount of different beers is um, for sale in this small village like that's a that's a good thing I never thought it would be yeah exactly that big of a of a, of a, of a hype I would say or I guess that's something that we forget in our little uh, bubble of, of working or being surrounded by craft beer that some people still just drink Pilsner or, or Lager oh the majority still does of yeah course. some people do yeah, the majority. Five percent. Yeah, yeah, the majority. I think we're we're living in Amsterdam. We're in yeah. a bubble here, right? But it's funny that you say that it's upside. I think it is in a way. If you want us to have something else uh, this, uh, than the lagers from the main breweries, but uh, a befriended brewer went to uh, the north of Holland mm. to do some uh, sales work. Uh, he went there with his van uh, and she just kind of cold cold uh, sales. See mm. if he could sell something. And he went to all these small towns to the to the liquor stores and all they had was just uh, naipas and pastry stouts uh, with a rate beer uh, uh, say score next to it yeah uh, and that's all they also wanted to sell and buy from him yeah uh, and also the, if they bought it only like maybe 12 bottles mm. and, and i think that is that's fucked up yeah, yeah. Is, that is fucked up because actually when i was in that store i was just talking about there were two people off of rate beer buying what was uh, rated the best and mm. but that's a consumer thing it's not what the um, you know, the Why do you think these beer styles are more popular then? Because it's it's just so uh, it has a very catchy flavor. It has catchy yeah. names, uh, has catchy colors. Often uh, back in the, well, not so long ago, we were talking about yeah, cans. They 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 offer such a nice space for a canvas to to print the label for sure, artworks. Yeah. But now we kind of, I think everything looks the same. All kind of bright mm. colors or, pe- or 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 pastel colors. Yeah, yeah. And they all do the same with names. And I think. That is for for some people very very catchy. Would you in, like doing today? We're brewing, but would you encourage more people to get involved and try and push those boundaries? Sorry, I was looking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, home brewing. Uh, everyone should do home brewing. <laughs> then uh, and you can do it in all kind of ways. You can now we're doing kind of all grain, but you can start even uh, uh, simple, just with some. Um, uh, I say. Malt extract, dried or liquid. I think we're getting a pre. 
refilled by Sander. We have some <laughs> nice cappuccino here. <laughs> Tart Ethiopian uh, bean. Mm. Quite a head on it, that coffee, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so cold, cold, cold pressed. Yeah, cold brew, yeah. Cold brew. But uh, no, I think I, I encourage uh, uh, people to brew. That is really fun. And uh, yeah, with friends and uh, getting to know, to learn something and... Just uh, it's also a dirty job, sort yeah. of uh, cleaning and stuff. But it's I think that's Someone's fun. Someone's got to do it. I'm gonna start homebrewing again, Rick. What about Shall we you? do it? Yeah, we do it again. Oh, you heard it here first, guys. We've got a uh, Oedipus 2.0 uh, <laughs> starting on the sofa. <laughs> Only lagers. <laughs> Might be some trouble in camp. <laughs> Only lagers. Only red hills. Red hills. Red, red lagers. Have you been tempted to do any uh, brewing at Taverna Willy Baker? Uh, yeah, in a couple months. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I think. Um, Kind of looking into collaborations with other breweries, nice. local ones, and maybe also German ones to kind of make that connection also. Yeah, maybe yeah. Introduce local breweries, kind of a kind of a three-way collab with yeah. local ones going to Germany or to Czech, and then make a three-way collaboration so that you kind of Sick. again introduce uh, back yeah to that kind of region, regions, to, to different kind of ways of brewing. Thanks for chatting to me. I'll leave you to enjoy your coffees. Yes, thanks. And uh, <laughs> see you soon. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Danny. All right, okay, so I'm joined now in the Bad House by uh, Sophie and Ava from the Kutter Club. Uh, those of you that know Oedipus may know the Kutter Club from a couple of our parties last year. They were involved in the Stop Making Sense party and also the strip beer launch that we did. How are you both today? Good. Yeah, I'm good. Good? Thank yeah. you, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for asking. Um, so, the Kutter Club. Please explain to me what the Kutter Club is. It's the burning question I have. So uh, the Kutter Club is um, our company. You can hire us for all of your parties and parties. And that you would say, interhuren for all uw feesten and partijen. Okay, cool. Does that make any sense? Uh, yeah, hire for all your parties and... Parties. Parties, yeah. That's yeah, it. That's it. There is no party you won't do. Um, it depends of like we both need to feel good with what we're doing and it depends of the amount of money that people want to spend <laughs> on the entertainment you get, right? But also no, we wouldn't say yes to anything. Yeah. Some parties we just don't like, so we don't do it. And what sort of entertainment do you offer? Mostly it's on uh, parties and festivals and uh, then we make a little area that people can come by um, and it's just a little bit out of the box. I think it's not something that you expect to see. It's always totally in red because red is the color of love and our company is about love and connecting people. Is that how I would recognize you guys? The red, yeah, the for red. sure. <laughs> yeah, just for the, for those that can't aren't here and can't see, because this is a podcast, this is audio only, you both always wear red, right? Always, Always. Yeah, is true. there a time where you don't wear red? No, never. No, never? never? No, never. Always. Yeah, we always wear red, right? Yeah, totally. Everything is red. So, like, my panties are red, my socks are red, everything <laughs> is red. Okay, cool. Only my shoes are not red, but... Okay, so right. if you hear this and Do you, you want to sponsor shoes, us with uh, red shoes, we don't have them. Okay, you okay. can sponsor us with red shoes. <laughs> and Thank you. Also, for for the other uh, non-English speaking people, uh, sorry, non-Dutch speaking people, what does kutte mean? Kutte, it's a verb. 
in Dutch and it means uh, teasing, but it is um, also it is a verb. But if you only hear it if it's not in the spe in the spelling how you write it, but if you hear it, it can also um, become sexual because then it is about your pussy. So people most of the time feel quite offended about it and that's what we like but it's not about that it's about the verb like teasing we want to tease people okay um yeah how do you want people to feel at your parties how do you want to make how do you want the audience to feel teased vulnerable uh, awkward awkward <laughs> awkward no, not really only awkward but we want to uh, I think our entertainment is not really straight forward. What you see, if you think about entertainment, it's always a little bit out of the box and what you not expect. And we're working with a lot of word jokes. So okay. in English, it doesn't make any sense. But in Dutch, we are playing a lot with word jokes. So people think they get something. But yeah, you need to come to a party and then you see what we're doing. What's your favorite word joke, Eva? And you can say in Dutch, it's fine. Mm. You mean from something that we did? No, just your favorite ever. I think I really like the word joke trekken. But it's like we had it with the car wash. It is um, something that you clean the, win the, the windows with, a trekker. Mm -hmm. But you can also, if you say that you're jerking someone off, it's also trekken. Oh, right, okay. I really like it to say straight to someone, oh, um, zullen we trekken? Of zal ik je trekken? And then they think that it's about sex, but then I'm like, no. No, I'm I'm offended that you think that I'd like to play with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny. Actually, she she said this to my parents <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh wow! At a party. How did your parents feel? Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so you just uh, referenced the the car. What is uh, what's going on in the car today? I can see a couple of different things. Just explain what's going on in the car. Uh, so right now in the car you can see uh, our calendar, uh, our lighters and a scarf. That's the merch we're selling. Um, the calendar, we made it actually... What color is the scarf? Red, of course. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just double checking. What color is the scarf? <laughs> yeah. Red. Yeah. Everything's red. Uh, we made the calendar for uh, the car wash that we did on... Uh, actually also on the Oedipus party. Yeah. And on a few festivals as well. Because we wanted to make this uh, kind of garage vibe. We wanted to make a car wash and then we thought like oh, what's always in a car wash and then most of the time there are a lot of guys working and they have these nude calendars on the wall. Yeah. So we thought oh, it's funny if we made a calendar of with us on it so that people were coming to our car wash and then just walking around and then they saw us on the calendar and then also us entertaining and then I mean, it's not really a nude calendar but more an... Um, Anti-nude calendar. Yeah, like se semi-erotic. <laughs> semi-erotic, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, with the Cutter Club, you actually never get what you expect. Time for a quick break, just to let you know where you can find more information on the show. All previous episodes are available on our website, which is oripus.com forward slash radio. There you'll find all previous episodes and also guest mixes from our resident DJs and also more information on the Friend Shop. The podcast is available by searching Radio Oedipus on your podcast app. If you want to get in contact with me, drop a message to radio at oedipus.com. Here's the second part of the Radio Oedipus podcast. 
I'm here with Nicholas Adam from Leave Your Sword Kombucha. He's invited me down to his brewery uh, where I'm joining him for him for some kombucha. He's also taking part in the Bad House Friend Shop, which we're obviously happy to sell his goods. Big friend of the show, big friend of mine, uh, way back from the first ever Radio Uripa yeah. podcast. <laughs> so thanks for joining me again. Yeah, thank you very much. No worries. Uh, Nicholas, we know you for your funky and wild kombucha. Now, we're going to have a drink, aren't we? What are we going to drink? So we're going to try the jasmine kombucha and the lapsong sushong back on the essentials. But actually, those goes really well uh, together with pastries because I'm obviously making pastries at the moment. Um, to also be able to pair them with the kombucha, mm-hmm. which is pretty much the, the second part of my project, which is, um, yeah, I, I really wish uh, that I can actually open uh, a new tap room soon since I have to leave in uh, August uh, next year. All right. Oh, and, I uh, didn't know that. Yeah. So the idea is actually, the, actually the, the lockdown was great for the first one because I could try finally the, the tap room in um, where we could pair the kombucha with the cocktails. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm kind of trying to sing in the, the second part of the project, which is, uh, pairing, uh, getting a bit more deeper in, uh, into, uh, pairing pastry and kombucha. Okay, cool. Uh, cause that's, that's the thing I, I like also a lot, making pastries. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, the people that are listening right now, you'll, they'll have to come down and, and check out, uh, your pastries, but to look at, they're very unique, beautiful, uh, cakes let's call them or pastries yeah, thank you. um it's obvious they take a certain amount of skill and uh, and precision to craft them how did you learn how to make uh, such things yeah well actually it's back yeah my first internship uh, even before to start uh, the cooking school was uh, in a pastry and chocolate shop Right. Um, I was really a uh, drive to... Uh, yeah. Every kid's dream, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somehow it, it's con- yeah, it just stick to me. Um, I, I really like pastry because you can... You have so much um, base to work on between history, uh, movies, um, books. You, you can get inspired by so many different things. So it's almost super easy to to find a, a guideline to create something. And then you have so many different techniques to make the same pastry. Mm-hmm. So at some point, everybody can make a pain de piece or financier or brioche, whatever. But then uh, what I think is really interesting in pastry is to um, make it your own mm. from what's already existing. Mm, okay so should we try one of them and i want you to tell me how exactly you have made it your own because they like you said they are very traditional style pastries yeah you have put kind of a modern twist on them haven't you yeah absolutely so well we can start with the financier okay uh together with the jasmine kombucha Mm -hmm. so the idea of this pastry is actually quite fun so financier, it's actually very traditional pastry uh, from uh, the 17th century. Um, back in the days, it was made by um, by the sister from uh, the visitant in order. Okay. Uh, we don't really know exactly why they were actually making it, uh, but basically it was probably because either they didn't have uh, really the right to eat meat already back in the days. Okay. Or was it because... They were using a lot of eggs to use the yolk in their painting. 
So then they were left a lot of egg whites. Right. And uh, to not waste them, they were using the egg whites into a pastry, which was composed of butter, uh, sugar, almond powder, and then the, the egg whites. Wow. Um, and then it, it, it stopped being produced because at that time they, they were having some troubles with the almond bitter that produced cyanure, mm -hmm. and which is a poison. Uh, but then uh, around uh, the nine, uh, 1890, um, the, the pastry chef Lan actually uh, put it back in, uh, in the pastry shop. And it was actually, um, his shop was located in Paris uh, next to the, um, the financial stock market. So most of his customers were actually uh, from the finance department, mm -hmm. really, uh, really rich, mm -hmm. but they also didn't want it to get their, their finger dirty. So uh, he came up with this uh, new shape, uh, which okay. before was oval, yeah. but then he, he put it uh, in the shape of a gold bar Yeah. To also symbolize uh, wealth. Wealth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, crazy. Well, uh, cheers. Let's taste it. Yeah. My take on this one is actually it's quite difficult to find really good almond quality mm -hmm. in Europe. Most of the almonds actually come from California. Mm -hmm. um, so then I had to think back at it and uh, what do I have in my fridge? I have hemp seeds because it's locally grown. Mm -hmm. It's also super beautiful uh, nut to, to work with. It has pretty much the same uh, fat ratio mm -hmm. that can work um, as an almond replacement. Mm -hmm. And then I had this uh, sake kasu mm. in the fridge, which is actually a leftover from the sake uh, production. So it's basically a fermented rice paste that I got for free from uh, Yapo, from uh, Otemba Sake, who's uh, importing sake and uh, that we share the fridges from. Yeah, the idea is really to pretty much keep the spirit, but see how we can, how I can make it my own and how I can make my own, um, yeah, piece of cake that would go with uh, either pairing, then mm -hmm. Implementing modern techniques, mm -hmm. uh, so for example, uh, sakikasu, um, and really sticking with the idea of it has to be, not necessarily that it has to be made with leftover, but I also have egg white leftover from the different preps I'm making also yeah. on the different pastries. And always this constant research of how can we use more local resources. And in terms of flavor with the pairing, what am I looking for when I'm tasting this together with the jasmine kombucha? First, on the pastry, it has to be, it has to be reminding you definitely of a really traditional uh, financier. So it has to have the same richness in terms of butter, this good equilibrium between crunchy on the outside and, and really soft uh, and textured in the inside. And then... What we want with the jasmine is actually something that enhances both. Um, so obviously the financier is something very, very rich in terms of butter and uh, sweet. Mm. And the jasmine kombucha is actually very floral and acidic. So it actually helps to balance each other out. It makes the jasmine kombucha a sweeter, I think. Almost. Yeah. yeah. And then you finish on, the, on some kind of citrus aromas. Mm -hmm. And um, and a very round 
sake, cashew, rice paste mm-hmm. feeling to it. Uh, and I found, at least for me, that I found more easy to pair pastry and kombucha ah, right. than, uh, than dishes and wine, for example. Shall we uh, taste the second one? Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I'm speeding through this just because I have come at lunchtime and I've forgotten to eat. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So, um, yeah, the second one is actually a pastry. I'm, um, so most of the pastries I'm actually doing are kind of milestone for me. Yeah. And uh, so the, the financier was something I used to make uh, already back in the days, which is really classic. So you can't really, not, not much to, uh, yeah, well, anyway. And then uh, the pan piece is actually something that I really love. Um, it's kind of beautiful uh, history, but just personally. So um, a pan piece is basically a sp- spices and honey and flour. Mm-hmm. There is no fat in it, which is quite great. Um, and then the type of sweetener is also a bit more uh, gentle than just a refined beetroot sugar. What makes the... Um, to my opinion, what makes uh, a panda piece uh, your panda piece is, is your own spice mix. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in spices since, uh, since I started cooking. That's really my thing. So um, I'm actually currently redeveloping my, um, my recipe for now uh, two months. And I think I finally find uh, the spice mix, which is kind of crazy because now I'm, I'm up to 11 spices. Wow, nice. Uh, but... That are all combined within this pan yeah. piece. Okay. Yeah. So there is obviously the spice mix that makes it your own, but also the time you give the, the dough to rest. Um, amongst those spice mix, you don't want, you still want to be able to almost picture all of them without anyone to really take over anything. So, but still, my main focus on this one is the juniper berry. Okay. And the Java pepper. Oh yeah, and we're gonna try it with the lapsom souchong. Oh, delicious! There is actually a lot of things to uh, to say about that. Probably the modern version, uh, or like the 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 the, the, the piece that we are used to have in uh, in our modern times, probably comes from um, the Chinese. Okay, uh, Mekong was the name of that uh, pastry, which was made on uh, wheat flour, herbs and honey. Mm-hmm. Then it traveled through uh, Arabic countries. There they really made it their own as well. And then it traveled back from uh, Arabic countries back in Europe after mm-hmm. the Crusades. Mm-hmm. And uh, and landing in France where it actually completely exploded mm-hmm. uh, with Henri IV. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was three, three major corporations that took over the recipe. Uh, one which was actually one of the biggest till the first war uh, till the first world war and it completely crashed because of the first war and then this is the second corporation that uh, took over the industry mm-hmm. in, term, in terms of modernizing the whole recipe um, with modern techniques because back in the days what they were doing was fermenting the honey that was just able to ferment really quickly mm-hmm. uh, with for example the meats mm-hmm. and drinks um, and it was pretty much a, a sourdough approach, kind of. With they would take the honey, the flour, and all the spices, and let it ferment for at least a month to wow. find balance. And also, again, in terms of preservation, yeah, sourdough was one of the way to make it. So pretty much what you are having now 
is something that you would have the original recipe from the 15th century, you would be like, nah, this is no pan piece. Mm. This is totally different. Okay. So, to my opinion, what makes a great pan piece is something that it has to be kind of sticky on the outside and uh, mushy in the inside. Yeah. Or like soft. Else you get this very uh, almost um, ginger-like taste uh, from it that's similar to like yeah. the, the Dutch ombaikuk or, or yeah, it's um yeah, it's delicious. Tai tai, tai tai, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and why with the laps and souchong? Because that's very very smoky, very big flavor. Why do these two yeah. work together in your opinion? Yeah, somehow. Um, Pan de piece really calls for smoky flavors, either whiskey or dark beers. Like one of my favorite pairing with um, with the pan de piece is actually a really a really good Guinness, for example, or, oh, wow. or a really good stout. Mm. And I recently learned actually that uh, in Friesland they used to put the spice bread in um, in their um, kind of ragu, like, um, yeah, m- meat dishes that would cook for hours uh, based on wine. Yeah. And they would actually put the pan piece in it to bind uh, and thicken the sauce. Wow. So I think just naturally, because you have so much spices going on, uh, you need something that also has quite some some fitting response to it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, uh, if I look at my range, Celan would be a tiny bit too too soft with it, uh, Darjeeling way too floral, Milky Long too sweet, Earl Grey, it could be a good one, but I have the Earl Grey reserved for another type of pairing. Jasmine would be too soft, so yeah, lap song perfect. Yeah, why not? And Sticking uh, to that warm feeling, uh, yeah, wintry, Christmassy. Definitely, and I definitely think there's room uh, in pubs and cafes to uh, eat delicious pastries while having a, a stout or a porter. Yeah, right? Definitely. <laughs> Okay, so joined in the bad house now. I'm with uh, Ronald from Blip Agency. How are you doing, mate? You good? Yeah, pretty well, thanks. Good, good. Uh, obviously, live music. I've forgotten what that even feels like. I'm sure that's only times 10 for you guys as well. Mm-hmm. Must spend, must have a much more free weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it bores the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, I can imagine. So Blip Agency, tell me a little bit about yourselves. What do you yeah, do? Yeah, we're, uh, uh, we're around now for five years. It's yeah. a merge between... Um, management company which was run by me and my comp- uh, my partner <laughs> sorry compion uh, <laughs> Jeroen who run a, a, a bookings agent we already worked together so we decided to well let's see how it end up when when we start collaborating yeah yeah and uh, well five years and uh, we're still here yeah cool and 2020 a much different year for you guys I guess yeah sad year um, yeah. I mean uh, so many shows cancelled so many or, or postponed, um, all venues closed. Um, we, we moved back in February to a bigger office. Yeah. Because we were planned to, to grow. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of that, we, uh, well, we had to let go of two people. Oh, but that's uh, unfortunate. Yeah, uh, very. And um, so it's, it's a sad year. Yeah. But there's some light in the end of the tunnel, you know? With exactly. The, the yeah. vaccine coming up. Um, yesterday, the, the venues in London, London uh, reopened. Oh, that's great news! For thirty uh, percent of the capacity, 
Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And um, I expect uh, we're reopening as well somewhere in February, March. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's focus on the positives. Obviously, we're stood here oh, in front of a... Guy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, like, we love the positivity. And obviously, we're stood in front of a table here where uh, Blip Agency have brought some records down from some of their artists that uh, you represent. Yeah. I mean, it can't have been a bad year. Look, there's lots of good records here, right? Is there any standout ones you want to mention here? Oh, man. Uh, well, I'm manager of Yin Yin and Altingun, so... <laughs> <laughs> so best mention them. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm very proud of those bands. Um, uh, both, you know. Uh, uh, to start, uh, Altingun is, I think, our biggest artist, uh, but still very uh, independent and small, mm -hmm. somehow, approachable. Um, I, I think we played across the world. We played... Yeah. Uh, uh, Oceania, we, we, Australia with King Gizzard. Uh, we toured America with uh, Tame Impala. Yeah. Played several big shows. Um, I think the whole continent here in Europe. Yeah. All the main festivals and clubs. Uh, we, we, we sell shitloads on tickets. And uh, well, the, the music is ex exciting, you know. It's yeah. Turkish traditional music, but in a psychedelic way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they make it completely their own repertoire. So that's cool. And there's a new album coming up in uh, February. Nice. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited on that. Yeah, man, Alton Gunn is definitely worth a mention. Obviously, we've got Jasper is going to DJ here in the Bad House tomorrow as well. And yeah. I'm nominated for a Grammy this year. That's crazy. That's really good. I bet that was a good feeling for you guys in the office as well. Yeah, when we started um, on our um, uh, to focus on America, uh, I had some targets in mind yeah. for, for myself. Yeah, I need some challenges. Yeah, for sure. So uh, one of them was uh, Coachella as a as live show, and uh, we worked to collaborate with uh, ATO Records, an American label. Okay. And uh, uh, indie label, but owned by uh, some major companies. Uh, and they, well, they helped us uh, us out tre tremendously. And uh, when we um, got the nomination for mm -hmm. best world music album, yeah, that's yeah, insane. That's really cool, man. Yeah. It's really cool. So Blip when you represent artists, do you have like a certain philosophy or a certain style of your, all your artists? Well, first of all, we uh, need to like the music. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, we're kind of, um, our, our range is in between uh, tropical music, like uh, Yin Yin. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they play funky uh, Thai music or uh, uh, inspired music. Um, we, we got electronic music from dance floor to bedroom. Mm -hmm. uh, we got uh, some psychedelic uh, acts. Mm. Um, and our team, uh, they're very open-minded. You know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's so nice to have them uh, also investigate in, in the roster we, we work with. Uh, so we're very close with the artists. And, uh, well, we, we need to see the European potential. Yeah, cool. Because we're a European agent. If we don't see uh, potentially an act playing outside of the Netherlands or Benelux, mm -hmm. then we don't work with them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, 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 those are the three pillars. So they should fit in the roster. We should like them. Definitely. Of course, as a person. And, uh, well, in potential, uh, the, 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 it's, it's a European act. Obviously, like on the on the podcast, just to let you know, like we talk a lot about community. Obviously, a lot about beer community and the and the Amsterdam uh, general kind of culture and community. How is kind of the Amsterdam music? 
community changed recently and how has it kind of adapted in these times well that's a, that's not so easy to answer i think i can imagine um, this because this year was of course horrible yeah uh, with, with all f- venues closing down and uh-huh. uh bands cannot even uh, uh rehearse you know so it's, it's uh, th- but there's been insane. some positive, like there's been some adaptations and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think um, it's very open-minded scene. You yeah, know? Uh, people from the indie scene uh, start collaborate with people from the dance mm-hmm. scene or from the hip hop scene or mm-hmm. uh, from the uh, well electronic scene like the Made System. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think uh, those guys are also involved in uh, Global Charming. Uh, yeah. Another act we were. Oh yeah, 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 new act. So they've just had a new record out this year as well. Yeah, they? correct. Yeah, nice. yeah, we just signed them, and uh, uh, so that's cool. You know, it's, it's uh, so somehow Blip gets more and more is the scene. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when we look at other agents, we of course respect. We don't see the same uh, same vibe. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it feels really unique and very Blip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's like I suppose uh, it'll take more than a virus to kill creativity, really, yeah. as well. And absolutely, uh, these things will kind of carry on, even though uh, people are kind of forced into practice spaces and things like that are, are way more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, how how does what's kind of Blip's role been in that? Have you been helping uh, artists? Uh, because how what has kind of the last six months been like for you guys? Have you been helping the artists more or? Yeah, uh, we helped the artists more, but uh, f- first we had to uh, survive uh, uh, as, uh, as uh, uh, the, the whole uh, the whole scene. I mean, the, the venues, and we're tot- uh, constantly in discussion talks with other agents. How can we survive? Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what's possible to do? So that, that's very positive. Yeah. Uh, so we put aside all our competitive thoughts about other companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We start collaborate. Yeah. So, uh, uh, for example, we. Uh, we collaborate with uh, what we call the United Independent Music Agencies. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're uh, uh, one of the uh, initiators of that uh, project. And in the meanwhile, I think every single European, European agent based in the Netherlands is part of that. Yeah. And together we're uh, talking uh, to, to for well proper regulations, but also uh, with uh, the politics in, uh, in Den Haag. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're working on a more uh, sustainable way of touring. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all for the long terms, but you know, yeah. it's, it's very positive to work uh, like that. And yeah, for the bands, we, we, we of course we investigate what's possible. Can we, uh, for example, cl- clear uh, for uh, for syncs or publishing or yeah. uh, t- to get additional uh, cash flow? For yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the period's allowed for some time for reflection and help uh, cause some of these uh, help some of these things within the industry. Yeah. Now, thinking about you personally as a as a music lover and fan, has the way in which you've listened to music changed because of no concerts? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I've noticed that I'm listening to maybe different genres of music, you know, uh, because of the last year. What about yourself? Uh, yeah, for, for for me the same. I think. Um, I, I, in in the beginning, I had a very hard time to to focus on listening to new music. Yeah, because I was really uh, not depressed, but I was really uh, inspired, you know, yeah. uninspired. Uh, and and uh, I remember when uh, March, April stuff started to get going a bit more, mm. you know, like sixty cap rooms, 
100 cap rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started to listen to new music again. So yeah. that, that, that was pretty cool. And um, yeah, now these days, uh, I, I just ask uh, artists that we, we work with, compile a playlist for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, buy a lot of records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, f- frequently visit a concerto or rush yeah. hour. Or yeah. Just to buy records, you know, and yeah, exactly. get some new music. Yeah. And luckily, I have kids of 18 or 16 who buy records as well. Ah, so, so that's new inspiration as well. Yeah, you can learn from them. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. Ah, nice. And obviously, you'll know uh, like I do, but December is a big time for all these end of year lists, like album of the year. As someone who's in the industry, have you got a, have you compiled one of these lists? Do you have a top album of the year or anything? Uh, yeah, I got uh, definitely a top album of the year. It's, uh, it's Salt. 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 Yeah. Okay, I'm not. I'm not aware of this one. It's, uh, I Tell think us a little bit that, about Salt. Yeah, it's a, a project of the producer of Lil Sims, MC from London. I okay, think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the sound is, I don't know, very eclectic. The uh, mix between Massive Attack uh, and Soul to Soul, but also uh, poetry and it's, it's an amazing album. Nice. I'll check it out. Yeah. And obviously. We mentioned before we were recording, uh, you've still got some Sinterklaas gifts to get. But yeah, if you were to buy a Sinterklaas gift for someone uh, from this table, which one would it be and why? This table? Or, <laughs> or, or from the whole shop. Anyway. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's expand the world from beyond music. If yeah. you were to buy a Sinterklaas gift, which one would it be and why? Well, uh, Rose had a great uh, suggestion uh, to, to buy the calendar uh, for my son. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's the naked calendar yeah, by Laura Verheiden. Absolutely. I'm sure you'll uh, you'll and, uh, please your young I, I son like with the, that. Uh, the the art of uh, Sasha. Yeah, of course. I'm a total uh, fan of him, and uh, yeah, definitely. We, we collaborate with um, uh, Ticket to the Tropics from Paradiso yeah. Party. We got a lot of events uh, with with them, and he's uh, uh, he created the house style of uh, the party. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I like his style. It's, uh, so uh, maybe uh, also one of those nice pieces of art. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and if and, uh, I have to pick some something from our own uh, table, uh, impossible. Take the whole thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Discography. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you play final, this is the place. I mean, we've uh, got a nice selection here. Yeah, nice man. All right. Well, best of luck finding your Sinterklaas gifts, and yeah. thanks for chatting to me, man. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast. A big thanks to Rosa, Scott, Alex, Rick, Sophie, Ava, Nicholas and Ronald. It was a pleasure chatting to you all. Like Rosa mentioned, the shop is open Thursday and Friday, 1 while 6, and at the weekends, 12 while 6. All information available on our website, oedipus.com. You can find all previous episodes of the show on our website too. For that, you need to go to audipus.com forward slash radio and by searching Radio Audipus on your podcast app. If you use Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you like and subscribe to keep up to date. The music used on today's show is written and composed by the one and only Ola Eye Music and tune in next time for more explorations into the culture of beer. Beer.